welcome to Doing Good. I'm Rob Alvarez. And this is Kathy Wynn. Each week we aim to bring you amazing stories from everyday people who are taking on life's challenges, both big and small, and along the way doing good for others. We hope you enjoy these intimate conversations and thank you so much for listening. In this episode, we chat with Dr. Jonathan Russin. Dr. Russin is Assistant Professor of Neurosurgery and Assistant Director of the Neuro Restoration Center at the University of Southern California Keck School of Medicine. Over the past five years, he has become an avid runner after joining me at the 2016 Los Angeles Marathon to build Run LA with Kathy. Please enjoy our candid conversation with Dr. Russin as he shares with us his remarkable journey to becoming a neurosurgeon and equally uncommon path to the marathon finish line. Hi, Dr. Arson. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I don't know if you know, but, um, you know, at least in our circles, you're known for two things. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor that fixed Kathy's brain and the one that was crazy enough to run a marathon with her. So I am sure a lot of folks uh, are curious to know a little bit more about you. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get to do that today. So I kind of wanted to take it way back, I guess. Where did you grow up? Uh, So uh, I grew up in Jersey, in a pretty rural part of Jersey, actually. Most people think of Jersey as, you know, the parkway um, or what they see around Newark uh, Airport. Um, But I grew up out in in, uh, sort of, you know, the garden part of the Garden State, uh, so to speak. Ah. So can you tell us, you know, what your childhood was kind of like a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, we were like, uh, you know, middle class, um, you know, we, we were, I had an older brother and a younger sister, uh, but we were pretty far apart. My brother is like six years older than me and my sister's four years younger. So it wasn't like we were super close as, uh, siblings. And we went to, you know, through the public school system and, uh, nothing, nothing fancy. You know, I, I now have my kids, right. And I'm putting them into school and, you know, I see all of the, uh, thought and effort that goes into, you know, I mean, for crying out loud, my, my oldest had to, had a standardized test for kindergarten, right. But we just, we just walked to the, to the, to the bus station, you know, and, and, and went to school. So it was pretty, uh, you know, I think pretty, pretty average. Um, so when did you, when do you think you knew you wanted to get into medicine? Uh, not, not probably till kind of, I don't know, maybe like middle school, high school, the idea would, would, would come into my, my head. I was a pretty, uh, lackadaisical student and I was more into, you know, playing soccer and lacrosse than I was into school. Um, but my dad was always an EMT and so he would, you know, he was a volunteer at the, uh, at the local, you know, first aid squad. And so he would get called and go off and have stories about, you know, helping people. And I, I kind of thought that was uh, really valuable as a contribution. And, I, you know, it was sort of the next logical thing would be, hey, you know, I wonder if I could one day go to medical school or something, you know. And I was kind of in the back of my mind. But when I applied to colleges, because my dad was a Navy guy and, and actually had an experience in, in um, high school where we lost uh, a good family friend uh, in Somalia, um, and so, you know, I, I actually applied only to military academies except for Penn State, where where my brother went. I applied there as well, and uh, actually ended up ended up going to Penn State, as it turned out. So it wasn't like I was, you know, uh, you know, on a dedicated pre med track, you know, from from the get go. 
What was kind of your path to USC? Well, that's uh, it's it's a very non-traditional. I could start there, I guess. Okay. Um, so you know, I, I, I like I said, I mean, I applied to these military academies, and and um, I actually didn't finish my application at the Naval Academy because I went down as a drag. They call you a drag. They drag you around, and I was like, this is this is not something that I could I could really do. Mm-hmm. And then the Air Force Academy, I got dropped off the recruiting list, so I wasn't going to go out to you know Colorado and not be like on the recruiting list, of course, right? Because I. I should be making those big time decisions, right? <laughs> um, anyways, so I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to go there. And then the Coast Guard Academy didn't uh, take me. Um, I got rejected. And so I went to Penn State. And when I went to Penn State, I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, what is your major going to be? And I kind of wanted to major in math, actually. And my oh. dad was like, you've got to be kidding me because you'll like deliver pizzas. Um, and that's not going to, you're not going to be living at home after you graduate. So, uh, <laughs> I ended up doing, uh, like, pre-med biology or, or something along those lines. Um, but, you know, I was always more sort of immature than my contemporaries in a lot of ways. I think I was, you know, physically I was just kind of smaller. And uh, emotionally I think that, you know, you're sort of treated a little bit younger when you look younger. And I don't know if emotionally I wasn't as sort of mature either. So I think when I went into school, you know, it was kind of like this new freedom and I didn't kind of take it too too seriously. And, and I think that's not uncommon uh, looking back. And then in my freshman year, you know, I'd, I'd made sort of, uh, you know, you, make, you have your best friends or whatever. And uh, my best friend got killed in a car accident um, on the way back to school. Uh, and it was, you know, it was, I didn't handle it well, um, one, because I was young and somewhat immature, but two, you know, I, I was supposed to be in the car because I told them I would go back to New York with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and last minute, my parents were coming up for a visit. So I was like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't go. And as it turns out, you know, and, and, you know, you, you, you go through, you know, sort of years of looking this over, like, I don't necessarily, you know, blame myself, but you you know, he was laying down in the back seat and when they slid off the road, that back door where his head was hit a tree mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he died from, from neck injuries. Oh, and if I was, you know, the fourth person in the car sitting in the back, like he wouldn't be laying down, oh, you know. My. And uh, when that happened and, you know, you're 18 years old, I really didn't didn't respond well. And, you know, I think my, you know, my parents tried their best to sort of, you know, what the the approach they took was like, just, you know, tough it out. Like you just, you know, Mm -hmm. just go to school, you know, try and stay in your routine. And, you know, the wheels just sort of came off for me and uh, I ended up failing out of school and uh, moved home. And I was uh, working in Jersey at a, you know, a bar um, going to uh, community college for a while, and I and I remember I was like working at the restaurant, and I was you know busting the table or whatever, and I picked up what I thought was a napkin, and somebody left like their baby's dirty diaper on the table. Oh, <laughs> I like sque- squeezed it and got a you know a big handful of baby turd, <laughs> and uh, it, it was at that point I was like, this, things aren't going well. Yeah, <laughs> this is not exactly call. where I wanted. Where, <laughs> yeah, this is not where I wanted to be, you know. Um, and so from there, you know, I took some courses at the community college, and then I actually had 
working with um, my friend's mom and some other people, you know, I petitioned Penn State to kind of expunge some of the grades I had um, mm-hmm. because I just failed a bunch of courses. And, the, you know, the, the university was flexible enough to do that because what I thought at that point was that I needed to, like, go back to Penn State, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, my, you know, I did fine in community college, and I actually did go back to Penn State for a semester. And when I went back and repatriated, it was, you know, it was just a total kind of, you know, disaster. Um, you know, you're reliving all these sort of emotions because, you know, these are the friends that you had with your friend, you know, mm-hmm. and they're all the same places and they're all the same, you know, uh, some of the same problems uh, that I had, you know, before. Yeah. And I, uh, I decided that I needed to leave and this time on my own accord rather than getting asked to, <laughs> asked to leave. Mm-hmm. And so it, when I was in high school, I played uh, lacrosse and there was um, a coach at, from a local college, Drew University, who used to come to our games all the time. And he would talk to me afterwards, oh, Johnny, you got to come, you know, check out Drew. You got to come check out Drew. But, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm I'm destined for, for greatness, right? <laughs> uh, so, so, now, so now that life had, had given me a little dose of reality, um, I called him up. His name is Tom Lianos. He's now retired as the coach there. But And Tom was gracious enough to, uh, to you know, kind of bring me in through the sports program and, you know, get me interviews um, at the school. And my mom was happy to take me down because she was subsequently disclosed that she was like, there's no way he'll get in there. Like, no problem. I'll take you down for an interview. <laughs> and so I did I actually did get into Drew. Um, and I, you know, and that's, you know, a little bit of where sports came in. I mean, if, if I look back in high school, I always did better grade wise when I was in season. Um, because it just regiments you and you, you know, for me, I, I, I like that kind of, uh, scheduling, mm-hmm. you know, and having some sort of, uh, I don't know, guidance, but also just all the, you know, people around you on the team that you're in touch with. And so when I started playing college lacrosse, um, at Drew, it really helped, I think a lot, uh, to organ, help me, you know, kind of have some success because I think from that point, you know, from kind of the day I left high school, which I was not much of a success in high school, you know, I never really tried, you know, I I did more sports stuff. Right. Um, so academically I'd never really done anything. So it was the first time since I left high school that I started to have some success. It probably focused your energy a little bit too, you know, for sure. You know, I mean, sports does that and, and it, you know, it puts me in a better place. And so I went to to Drew and, and, you know, I had a sorted kind of past. So, you know, I I majored in psychobiology. But when I graduated, you know, our pre-med advisor said, you know, you probably need to do some more post-grad work. So I, you know, was still with this ridiculous goal of going to medical school right after I failed out of college. And everybody was like, you're, you know, you've kind of lost your mind. But uh, grad school was great, right? You like sit in your front lawn and read Willa Cather novels and things. So I I just kept going to school. I was like a professional student. Um, And uh, I got like a, you know, there was, there's two degrees. There was a certificate in medical humanities and then there's a master's in medical humanities. And, you know, after the first year you get a certificate. And so I, I, you know, I applied to medical school then and I did not get in. And then um, I got my master's, and when I finished, you know, that, as I was finishing that, I applied a second time, and I kind of told myself, if I don't get in now, you know, I got to go join the workforce, or maybe I can get a PhD, right? Yeah. Just keep going to school. 
Um, anyways, I, I did I did get in at the at, uh, to the New Jersey Medical School, which was which actually was kind of an you know an interesting story. I mean, because not, I mean the story is interesting, but the the day I found out, my um, you know my parents. I mean, imagine this was your kid, right? I mean, you just get dragged through like over the coals. I mean, you know, you're spending money. They're throwing the money away, and they're like failing out of school. I mean. You know, so my parents had kind of been, you know, put through the ringer. And I remember the my mom was teaching at this point. She had gone back to school. She she was the oldest of eight and had put herself through uh, college once all of us were out of the house because I used to clean houses with her when I was a kid. You know, I'd come home from school and we would go and like, you know, she had her own little house cleaning business. So we'd go and, you know, clean house and come home, do my homework. And, you know, she did that until we were all out of the house and then she put herself through school. So she was teaching at this point. And I remember the, you know, the Dean of admissions calls me and I'm in the, you know, my front yard, obviously really reading Willa Cather novels right? <laughs> in grad school. And, uh, and he calls me and says, you know, Oh, you've been admitted to my school. And I, I was just, you know, the first person you call is your mom. Right. Mm-hmm. But I called the school and, um, and she's teaching. And so I can't, uh, you know, I can't speak directly to her, but I told the person in the principal's office or the front office or whatever that I, what I wanted to tell her. She said, hold on, I, I'm going to get her on the speaker. And, you know, those like old speakers right in the rooms. <laughs> and uh, she she goes, hold on, I'm going to tell her. And so, you know, I hear her kind of tell her. And then she lets go and she gets back on the phone and she was like, she's crying. Aww. And it was, you know, just one of those days that I'll never forget. You know, it's like after all this, I finally did something my parents could be proud of, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, you should see my face right now. I'm, I'm so blown away. We've known each other for over five years, right? And this yeah. whole, and this yeah. whole time you've been playing me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I kept thinking, you know, oh my goodness, if I, I bet you his whole life is, he's got it, he had it all together. He knew like right from the moment when he graduated from high school, going into college where he's going to, be what he's gonna do so it's uh it's just mind-blowing you know the story that you just shared with us it's uh yeah you're yeah. gonna have to find a new doctor a new doctor somebody <laughs> like, you have faith, who, you have faith who, in who right was, now you're like now i got a college flunky as my doctor <laughs> Well, I'm sure the following years between New Jersey Medical School and USC was probably just as I guess interesting <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah, or, interesting well you know it, 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 it I made a decision when I got in, which was so unlikely, at least in my mind, that I would get admitted to medical school. You know, there's really, now you're at a bifurcation point that's important because the way the medical school system works is it's on a, like a match system, right? Okay. So getting into the subspecialty and getting into the, you know, sort of program that you want, I mean, that, if you look around, most people who give them out of residency end up staying around the area where they do residency. And so now all of a sudden, like all of the failings and all of the junk that I did, it's almost erased, right? And, and now you have a fresh start. And that was the first time that I really actually just tried to, like, like tried to do well in school. And so it was really actually some of the happiest time of my life was, you know, medical school. It really was, I mean, I, I was at the top of my class, uh, junior AOA, like, you know, scholarships. And it was... I just decided that this was something that was really important to dictate how successful I could be 
in the remaining you know years right with my career and so it was it was really uh it was really rewarding i i had a great time in medical school even the first two years where you're just reading and reading and reading i even you know between my first and second year i went to uh, the western himalayas and spent um you know, two months sort of traveling around and, you know, helping set up medical camps for Tibetan refugees and came back and did my second year. And then, you know, um, then the clinical years of the the other ones. So uh, the third and fourth year. So it was, I I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, as far as the the decision for neurosurgery, that was almost as random as the rest of my, my collegiate life. Um, one of our, uh, family friends. Um, he was a Vietnam vet and he had developed Guillain-Barre uh, several years before and was wheelchair bound largely, but he's not the kind of guy, he's a Semper Fi kind of guy. Like he wasn't going to be held down by that. So he had started a wheelchair business. He was out like wheelchair skiing and, uh, broke his neck. Mm-hmm. And so, so he comes into our hospital in New Jersey um, and needs, you know, spine surgery. So I went over to visit him and, um, the neurosurgery team was rounding and a bunch of the residents were like, Oh, what are you doing? I said, Oh, maybe my friend, what do you do? You know, what are you going into? And, um, I said, uh, you know, I had, well, not, you know, I'm not sure. And they, you know, then they just gave me the hard sell on neurosurgery. He's like, have you ever thought of neurosurgery? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because the guy who was the most, sort of um, positive, just like a complete salesman for neurosurgery, and who I ended up writing a paper with, is now in federal prison. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's a crazy story. Yeah. Sure. yeah. He's, in the, he's in the news, so I think we can use his name, Arya Sabat. He graduated from New Jersey Medical School um, and came out to California, of all places, and got uh, involved in a ton of lawsuits and ended up moving to Detroit and um, had the same problem. He was dictating that he was implanting hardware that he wasn't putting in, and he was, but I mean, gosh, the guy was the biggest cheerleader for neurosurgery I'd ever been around. His energy was just like infectious. I was like, well, yeah, sure, I guess I can do neurosurgery. Um, Hopefully my career doesn't go exactly like (laughs) his did. Yeah, I guess it goes to show the different paths you can take, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, so I ended up, yeah, just, just, you know, hanging out with those guys a little bit and writing some papers and then, you know, doing uh, some rotations in neurosurgery and then, uh, you know, matching at SC. And, you know, the match is a weird thing. You put in your rank list and then, you know, the computer spits it out and on match day you get a letter that says, hey, you live in Los Angeles. So I guess what what were your first thoughts after that, or how did you feel hearing about that? And then moving across the country because well, you were in, in New Jersey, right? You're in New Jersey yeah, when you. Well, fa- I okay. Wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't so sure my Ford Taurus was going to make it, uh, <laughs> but uh, but but it did. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think my parents probably would have preferred if I was somewhere on the East Coast because you know we would have been able to, a lot easier to to see them, um, but they never sort of intimated that to me you know i never got a guilt trip or anything you know they can't really guilt me my brother lives in wales so um, i'm definitely closer than that (laughs) uh so yeah i mean i I just you know celebrated packed up my stuff and drove out to la uh and started residency and then you know once you start that it is just like you know a non-stop circus 
until you finish. It is really just one rotation after another and, you know, you're learning so much and you're, you know, starting to do all the things that you were really excited to do when during those four years in medical school. And yeah, I mean, it was, and then now you're like, whatever, 30, 30 something years old. Now it's, now you got to get a job. So around what year was that? Let's see. I think I finished residency in, I want to say 2013, I think. Yeah, in in like June June of 2013, and then I did a fellowship in Phoenix from 2013 to 14, and then I started my job here in 2014, which was the year I think that was that it was it it was 20 15 15 that you had your hand raised, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I know you also spent some time in Japan. Did a residency in Japan. Well, I didn't. I, I took uh, a couple years. Uh, excuse me, a couple years, a couple weeks, um, and went to Japan with Taka Fukushima. And Taka is an interesting guy as well. I think Taka's father is basically like the Shinto Pope in in, in Japan. But mm-hmm. his, his his you know his fame in Japan is predicated on the fact that he was the first Japanese-born professor of neurosurgery in the U.S. and he was hired here at USC. Oh, really? So Taka, so Taka is you know. He always says he's the Japanese Tom Cruise, and we would walk around, <laughs> John, I'm the Japanese Tom Cruise, you know, and people would, they would like, recognize him. And so I went for two weeks to Japan with him, and he would go back, I, I don't know, maybe monthly, bi-monthly um, from his practice. He had subsequently moved on from USC, and now he's in North Carolina, and he would um, fly back to Japan and, and go to several hospitals um, and do complex operations there. So I followed him around. Um, he even had his own uh, Taka Fukushima Memorial Hospital, which we he took us took me to. He was like, "But John, I'm not dead. I'm not dead, John. But it's Taka Fukushima Memorial Hospital." So he's a he's a, a, a you know sort of a, 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 a father of a lot of the modern kind of technical neurosurgical procedures in in cerebrovascular, and he has a connection to USC, and he was happy to to you know sort of provide some mentorship. Um, and it was it was a great trip, but yeah, it was only two weeks during my residency. So um, stepping back a little bit, you know, you mentioned that you know once you got into medical school, you kind of made a switch or made a decision to focus. How do you think you're able to do that? Because I think you know some people, especially with you know what you had been through, can struggle to to do that. It's just I'm sure it's not just hey I'm going to decide to do, start doing doing this tomorrow or be a better student and and it. That it'd be that easy, unless it was. Well, I don't know. It was like a better student. Like I never had problems with school. I had problems doing my schoolwork. You know what I mean? Like I just never, it never really interested me as much as other things. So you know, I, I came out from playing college sports with a little bit of a regiment. So I still ran. Like I would try to go running, you know, several times a week. Um, and I used to go in Brook, Brookside. Brookside Park, I think it's Brookside. Anyway, I would um, go uh, to the park in Newark and, and run, um, you know, during the weeks. And it it was like, you know, if I can. So this the, the first step exam is at the end of the second year of med school, and that step score is like a cutoff, like the SAT that people use to let you into residency. Mm-hmm. So I look at it and say, okay, if I if I can put two years together, right out of my old life, right? It's like, just take these two years and use your time wisely. And you, you could open up 
doors that, you know, otherwise are going to be shut for you. You know, you don't want to limit those opportunities at that point. You want everything to be available. And if you don't get that score, right, that's how people will just cut off the score. They'll say, we're not going to interview anybody with a step one score less than 240 or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just said, I need to, you know, I need to give myself the, the best chance now. Like, you've come this far, like, life has given you, you know, this opportunity, which you really don't deserve. Like, you know, try and you know, do something good for, for once. I don't know, you know, the day-to-day of it, I, I don't know. It's You know, I always tried to read something that was not medical before I went to bed, you know, like, you know, just to keep your mind kind of not just bogged down in, in medical school. And I said, I've never done what they asked me to do in school. Right? They would say, okay, well, next week we're going to do chapter four, so make sure you read chapter four. I would never read chapter four, right? <laughs> so I'm a, so I'm a, why would I read chapter four? I didn't read chapter three. Like, forget it. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to share this podcast book? with uh, Tyler and Maddie. <laughs> right. I'll start reading this, this, this book now. This is ridiculous. But, you know, when I, when I went there, they said, all right, you know, read the first hundred pages of the book. I said, okay, well, I'll just do what they say. Yeah. And my father used to always tell me, you know, he's like, you know, how'd you do in class? I'd be like, I don't know. I got like an 80. He'd be like, oh, did they ask you to get, did they ask you to know 80% of it? Or <laughs> like, no, they didn't ask me. Those. He's like, oh, well, where, where, do you think the answers are in that book? I'm like, yeah, the answer's in the book. He's like, well, why didn't you, why didn't you know the answers if they're in the book? They gave you the answers, right? <laughs> That's right. a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. No, right, Dad. Okay, whatever. You know. <laughs> um, but but you know, I remembered that even though I didn't listen to him then. You know, here I'm in medical school. I'm like the answers are in the book, right? I mean, all I got to do is read the book. Mm-hmm. Read the book. Answer the questions. You know. So I, I did it for two years, and that was four years. You know, my my residence, the the rotations. I spent a lot of time, you know, studying for my my um, rotations, and and I really, you know, I really enjoyed it. Kind of fast forwarding uh, a little bit. So I know you helped start the uh, Cerebral Revascularization Center at USC. Can you tell us a little bit about you know what that is and uh, the work going on there now? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when I came out of uh, of residency, you know, now you now you got to get a job, and I wanted an academic job, and if you're going to do academics, it's got to be something that you're doing that is not offered in the private practice world. Otherwise, you know, it doesn't make, make a whole lot of sense. And you need to kind of leverage your practice to um, hopefully answer questions that can either help take care of, of patients that you are dealing with better or maybe, you know, kind of make progress for science in general. And I, I like cerebrovascular through my residency and I wanted to do that. But a lot of where that was going was endovascular, which is where, you know, radiologists, neurologists, and neurosurgeons have paths to become endovascular surgeons. And that's, you know, using catheters, you know, to deploy devices intravascularly using fluoroscopy and other techniques. So that never really interested me. I always, you know, the operative theater and that, you know, the the surgical event were something that I I really enjoyed, the technical part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But cerebrovascular was going away from that. So how do I create a niche practice that makes a contribution. And to me, you know, I thought revascularization or basically kind of bypass surgery was an area that I could use to offer something that, that, you know, patients don't really have good access to at this point to expand on it and, and, um, use it 
you know, also has access to uh, patients and, and, you know, human subjects for research purposes. So bringing it back, I guess, to when we all first met, even though probably Kathy didn't... Was didn't, it all didn't there? Know, uh, <laughs> was it probably, conscious? Well, yeah, we didn't, we didn't consciously really know that when she first met you. I think we've, we've told friends and we've told uh, a lot of people we've kind of written about it um, that, you know, her case was very unique. So I just kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit and... If you could tell us what what made it unique, and also if you could kind of recall what went through your mind, you know, before, during, and and after that surgery. Yeah, I mean, having you know, having these goals of creating a program and you know, offering you know, complex you know, surgical procedures to people who otherwise don't have access. All of that sounds very good when you say it, but when it hits, you know, sort of where you know, the rubber meets the road, so to speak, is in the operating room and with patients. I mean, you, you have to take these people and decide to do something to them that, you know, I, I mean, in my residency at USC, I never saw the operation that Kathy, that I did on Kathy. I only saw it in my fellowship, uh, like once. And so, you know, you're really, and, and you gotta remember there's a hospital system, there's, you know, other neurosurgeons, and you, this may shock you, but uh, sometimes there's competition and people are, uh, you know, not necessarily wishing you the best all the time. Um, and so there's there's a, a lot of pressure in the beginning to, to have successes. And we watch the, the medical that? TV shows and at least Kathy loves those. <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of competition. I know I can, a lot of cutthroat. I can tell. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of it. And so here you are and you want to start this new thing. And, you know, everybody wants to have the shiny new thing. Um, and who really, you know, is either going to benefit or, or not benefit if you're not successful is the patients. And so it takes sort of, you know, a bit of faith uh, on, on, on from the families and the patients that, that you're talking to to say, hey, you know, I, this is what I think is the best thing. You know, are you guys, you know, willing to consent to have this 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 procedure done? You, you kind of create a relationship. Now, in Kathy's case, obviously, it was an emergency, and she was intubated and, and really, really sick. And you have, you know, yourself, Rob, who is most of the time people are just in shock, you know, that their life is just sort of spun out of control. And so, you know, you have this relationship and how much of it is paternalistic at that point could be debated, but I would say a lot, you know, because a lot of times people are just kind of deferring, you know, to what we're going to say. And so, you know, you, you trust us and we have to, you know, believe that we're doing the right thing and, and that we can do it, you know, successfully. Um, and so Kathy's case, you know, she's, she's, it's always easier, right? If you were 90 years old and had, you know, heart failure and all these other things, you say, well, if we try something and it doesn't go well, you know, they had a good life, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, this was not that case, right? Here's a, you know, a 40 year old woman who's, you know, running marathons and doing, you know, triathlons and has two young kids and a husband and a whole family here. And everybody's depending on us to, to take care of her 
And I say us because, you know, it's the whole team here. I mean, it's all the ICU nurses, the therapists, the scrub techs in the OR, you know, everybody who makes it possible. And so, you know, she had a really, Kathy had a really horrible aneurysm. Uh, and, and when you're a younger patients like this, I mean, it, 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 there's, there's, you know, I just tend to see this kind of in younger women. It's, it's, it's almost like an inflammatory type of uh, aneurysm that, that causes dissection and the whole vessel is sick. So it's not like a little bubble coming off the side that you can just, you know, treat. You kind of need to get rid of that whole vessel if you're going to get rid of the disease. And her problem was that a very important artery is coming out of that part of the vessel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's when me and Bill sort of looked at it, um, Bill Mack, uh, and decided to, you know, do something together where I would do, you know, a bypass, um, sort of this highly technical, you know, revascularization procedure. And then, you know, that would allow Bill go, to go and just block the entire sick part of the vessel and get rid of it. Uh, and, you know, it, the procedure, you know, went fine. But then after that, you know, there's just so much sort of work to be done. And I, I think Kathy can speak to this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we do our part, uh, but that's just a little sort of piece of recovering from something like this. Yeah. You get the procedure done, you get through the hospital, but I mean, there's just so much more to, to you know, getting back after, you know, having something as traumatic as a ruptured brain aneurysm. I have to ask, since you've been so candid with the... Uh with us. Were you nervous going in? Nervous? Yeah. I mean, it was, it oh, too, I, what, I, I know you've done several bypasses, correct? But to mine was yeah. new. Uh, well, yeah. no, no, no. Nervous every time. Okay. Nervous every time I do this. I'll tell you, I mean, what it, you know, because if you don't have some sort of anxiety about doing this to people, then you're, you're sociopathic. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell this to my to my residents, you know, and my trainees. If you aren't emotionally connected to your patients, then making the right decisions just it, it's not aligned with making the right decisions. Mm-hmm. There has to be some feeling of anxiety around what you're doing to make to make you that human connection with mm-hmm. the patients. But you can't let that anxiety translate into negatively affecting your decision-making or your performance in the operating room, right? So, yeah, I'm always, there's always an anxiety around making life and death decisions for, for patients, but that's our job. So, you know, there's lots of different things you can do in neurosurgery, and cerebrovascular is one of the ones where, you know, your patients... It's not like tumor where a lot of times, you know, you can operate on a tumor, but eventually that tumor is going to take their life, right? With vascular, it matters what you do, right? If we get it right, then you go on and live your life normally for for the rest of your years. If we get it wrong, then you're either, you know, severely disabled or, or, or dead. So, you know, if you're not good with that, you know, with having that sort of be a part of your life, then there's other things to do to make contributions. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to think I asked the right questions um, of you and Dr. Mack to make to make the right decisions, right for for Kathy's care. But um, but yeah, a lot of it really just came down to you know to have faith um, in these doctors and do I trust what 
they're saying because you know i think i understand you know i understand what they're saying is as much as i probably was in shock i i like to think i was able to process kind of all the all the the flood yeah. of information that i was getting from from the different doctors but yeah in the end it, it just kind of comes down to that that say this is the right the right thing to do and this is the best path to go to go on and i you know it, it everybody loves to when it goes well you know and the high fives and everybody but i can tell you i i remember i mean obviously kathy because of what is what we've done together since but i remember very few of the the successes and it's those people where we we have that relationship we decide to do something together and it doesn't go well mm-hmm. and that you know uh, you know the, the gray hairs I have. Um, you know each one of them. You know is is I like to say is 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 one of those cases, and you you just remember, and they stick with you, and and that for me is, is the hard part. And you know you expect it, and you you, you know you see it um, coming, but how it makes you know kind of you feel when you really feel responsible for a bad outcome for someone's death that that you. Uh, kind of grow up in this job, and so you know, the, the, I love talking to you guys, and I, I love uh, uh, all that we've done together. But what really sort of you know, when wakes you up at night are the ones that didn't go well. So, kind of stepping away a little bit from the operating room, <laughs> if you will. Do you remember when you heard that Kathy was running this, you know, the LA Marathon and? You know, she wanted to kind of raise awareness and and do some fundraising for brain aneurysm research. Do you remember when you heard about it and what you what you yeah, were thinking? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've told this story, you know, before because it was, you know, I had never had somebody call up and say, hey, you know, I want to thank you so much. I mean, certainly people have thanked us, but to say, hey, you know, I want to come back. I want to raise money for, for USC. Um, that certainly, you know, stood out. And, and the first sort of thing, right, me and Bill thought, Bill was like, oh, the, you know, you know, do this do this thing, right? I was like, do this thing. Maybe, you know, I think maybe we'll run the last mile, you know, or something like that. <laughs> I think he was a high school, I think he was a college swimmer or something, right? Leave it to the swimmers. But, you know, <laughs> uh, doesn't, doesn't want to run. I, I've never seen the swimming team out running. Let's put it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I was like, you know, the last mile, what are we going to run the last mile with them? Like, you know, she had a ruptured brain aneurysm. I did a craniotomy on her. Like, I can run the whole thing. Just a marathon. <laughs> it's just a how, marathon. <laughs> little did I know how painful the whole sort of training process would be. But um, but yeah, of course I remember. And and I mean, it's it's been something that's been you know really impactful for our programmatic development. For um, you know, just for me to understand what happens to patients when they leave the hospital. And I think it's also been a great source of recognition for all the staff that don't get necessarily recognized routinely, like the ICU nurses, like the scrub techs, like everyone who shows up at the, you know, at the at the marathon event. Um, and they come there because you know they care about the patients and they love them and they they spend their you know, you know, nights and days taking care of them. And and you know that connection is really important and and also is the validation of the job that they're doing. 
and 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 that's huge for them. Um, obviously, that you know the patients are are the people who who bear the brunt of of the you know sort of recovery process, and you know their stories are so inspiring. It's certainly also important for the the the, the faculty and the and the and the, the tech team to see that you know all that that they're doing is 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 important. Yeah, and you know we 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 call it Run LA with Kathy, but. I, I look at it as both your projects kind of equally. I know you've really put in a lot of um, work to build it from kind of where it started as just an idea that Kathy had and wanted to do to um, to say thank you to what it is now five years later. And I think just as you said, I think it's it's a great recognition. It's a great time to be able to get everybody together and, and recognize all the caregivers and get uh, kind of hear the stories from from other survivors, other patients, and then also you know raise awareness, raise funds for for research, really to advance you know treatments for brain aneurysms or other kind of cerebrovascular disorders. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I have I have no doubt that without you know without this event, we would not have NIH funding right now. Now it last. Uh, year we got in, uh, and you know we became independently funded by the NIH uh, for research related to bypass procedures, um, and awesome. without you know Kathy, uh, and without the marathon event, that I I am absolutely positive we would not have that. I think to date you guys have raised over eighty thousand or eighty one thousand dollars for research. I'd love to say we, but Kathy has. I I, I mean if if. I could be, you know, as uh, productive as she uh, w- wants me to be, which she is absolutely <laughs> right. I, I am like the the cinder block tied to tied to your guys' ankles, trying to raise money for this thing. But I think now, uh, if we are able to get USC uh, on board, now that we've created something that's that's visible, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity moving forward. But you, you know, you guys really. Every one of those dollars um, has, you know, you, your name on it because you guys worked really hard to, to do this. I, I uh, sort of tagged along so far. You're too humble. Now, if, if the uh, listeners can only understand the the amount of work also that you've you've put into this, you and your wife, Becca. Oh my gosh, I love her. By the way, um, just getting sponsors to finding, as you know, Dr. Russin lives in sunny Southern California, and I'm over here in Delaware. And of course, LA is LA Marathon. And so I don't usually get my hands too dirty and find the venue. And, um, you know, besides being a a full-time neurosurgeon, you make the time to get sponsors, get the word out, and even make sure we have our singlets for the event. And then, of course, you put in your training. So, if anything, I, I think you're being too humble, Doctor Russin. But for well, me, <laughs> I would have to give credit. I would have to. I would have to give credit to my wife, yeah. who is uh, much much smarter than I am. She's uh, <laughs> she's a biomedical engineer by training, so she uh, she is uh, hopefully where our kids will get their intellect. Um, <laughs> but uh, Rebecca does uh, put yeah a lot a lot of effort into helping us out and. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and without her, you're right. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, we may still be standing around on the corner. Exactly. Uh, right. Like the first year. After that, after <laughs> the it, first was, year. it was so grassroots and it's just so fun though. Um, but yes. I know. Yeah. No, but what I, uh, I also want to say is, um, gosh, it's been five years and I, I, I have to say this is a bit selfish on my end. I keep coming back, obviously, for many reasons. The, the most important one is to say thank you to Keck Medicine and always, always, I can never say thank you enough to you and Dr. Mack. Um, but the selfish reason is, you know, I get to go back to LA and, and run, which is clearly why I came back to to life and, you know, want it to, to get better. Um, but the selfish reason is, is that, you know, it, it's just, it's so fun. You know, I get to, I get to do good while doing something that I truly love. And, um, the fact that we've taken it, taken it this far and where it's grown, it's, uh, you know, it's hard not to want to come back. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, through what we've been doing and all the, individuals and new patients and unfortunately new patients, but the, the families and, um, new people that we've, we've met through this, this adventure has been, you know, really exciting. I have to say that I guess having a brain aneurysm wasn't so bad after all, you know, I, I was able to do so good out of it, but, uh, yeah, when, uh, when I found out you wanted to run the whole thing, at first, I was I was a little I was a little nervous. I was like, "Oh no, he's so mad at me!" Because it seems like he was really upset that I only wanted him to run like the last mile or two. And then when he you said you wanted him. to do the whole thing, I said, "Okay, that's that's so great." But um, I hope he he understand what he's he's getting himself into. But yeah, it's it's been it's been so fun. It's been so fun. I can't I can't uh, I can't wait for twenty twenty one and the the fact that. 2020 oh my goodness considering what we've been through this last 12 weeks it's just uh it's just yeah we were, we so were like surreal. Last, yeah i think we the were last the last party before the covid shut down exactly we were the we were the last party exactly but i i you know i agree with you Kathy. i think there's uh, there is like you know looking forward there's so much opportunity as well um you know i'm in discussions with there's a new chief of neurosurgery over at chla and we're in discussions about maybe starting a moya moya center or a vascular cerebrovascular center over at children's hospital um we have plenty of room for growth in the revascularization center we're going to start having clinical fellows and a lot of the funds that we raise are going to help not only with the research fellows that you guys have funded in the past but also the clinical fellows uh, moving forward um, we have submissions for additional NIH grants as well as um, industry-funded grants. And, you know, it, it, there is a lot of interest um, among the residents. I get applications and emails for, you know, uh, fellowships and for being part of, of the Revascularization Center regularly, um, not to mention the uh, the marathon event itself. I mean, we have the fellows run, our research fellows, now we got the residents running. There's so many more patients that, you know, are running each year. And, you know, it's it's because it's aligned, right? Because it's something that you love. People feel that and they want to be around it. And you guys have grown it organically. It's really fantastic. And I think now we may, you know, be able to have USC um, hop on board to really kind of promote things. So we'll see, but it's exciting. So I have to ask both of you guys, what do you see the future for Run LA with Kathy? You know, is there going to be other words replacing run and maybe other locations replacing L.A. in the future? I don't know. What, 
what you guys uh, have up your sleeves. But hey, I guess we can we can kind of dream. Well, I think the, I think the, ma- the marathon <laughs> the marathon was your idea, right? Yes. And I think you keep blaming me for the triathlon. I don't know if I ate something bad, like uh, when I was out in the middle of Visalia taking call or something, and then I came up with this idea. I think I, I, yeah. think I was looking through, like, you know, documentaries to watch or something, and the Iron Cowboy came up, and I said, uh, well, I could do that. That's no problem. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I don't know how this started. But I, yeah, no, I think there it, might be. It, you started it. I, I think you started it. <laughs> I, I think I still have the text. It's like all of us, you know, well, uh, just to let the listeners know, I, I keep in touch with Dr. Russ and, you know, um, not very often, but every other month we'll, we'll check in with one another. Um, and then it was, it was probably a several months. And then I just get, I got the text, I got this text from, from you and it says, hey, I think we need to step up our game. I think we need to do an Iron Man. I was, and then I showed Rob right away, and I said, "Look at what he wrote. He's freaking crazy." I know what one forty point six is, and it's it's not fun. Um, so, but yeah, I was actually, I was actually really excited because you know I I haven't done one since twenty thirteen, and um, been wanting to get my both my feet wet again. So. Uh, I was actually really excited. Yeah, that's uh yeah, I guess we'll have to to look at that. I think I don't know if we would air it, but uh I guess we can. I, don't I guess know. If, you could if, edit we, it out, if we if we yeah, if we air it does that mean <laughs> I think we're yeah, trying. Can, I think yeah. we're we're looking at Here, 20 I'll let, maybe I'll 20, let you announce 21. It. I'll let you announce it, Dr. Nothing Russell. official, so I'll just yeah. I'll just put it out there. Nothing official, but just throwing ideas out there. So what are you thinking, well, Dr. Russell? Think, well, I think maybe uh, Arizona 2021 is an idea. I haven't done Arizona. I haven't even done a 70.3 there, so I think that would be. I think that would be really beautiful. I you think heard that's it a, here for, first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's 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 in the planning stages. <laughs> no, it's just. Uh, I mean, I think it's fun, obviously, to kind of think of what what you know, where we could take this, you know, and I know a lot of it has sort of just evolved organically and, you know, there's definitely different, different ways to continue to grow. And I think just from all the, uh, the good that has come out of so far from uh, Run LA with Kathy um, that you mentioned, I think it's, it's worth keeping it rolling. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it, it fits, it fits with our ethos. I mean, it, you know, it, it just, you know, to continue to kind of push it and, you know, the, the, the people who are, um, just starting to get out of bed, who are, you know, in the hospital now with their aneurysms, who are just getting home, who are going through their first physical therapy appointments, who are maybe three months out, maybe having some problems with, you know, with anxiety after that, with depression. You know, we, we owe it to all them. They're pushing it their hardest. So, you know, I, I you know, we, we should be pushing it uh, just as hard mm-hmm. if this is what we're going to say, right? If we're going to be that representation in sport, right, then, you know, the marathon was one and, and you know, a triathlon is another. So I think it fits with what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. I tend to be as, as from Jersey a little bit glib, but, but honestly, <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, and and I, I I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I am. Be t- deep breath. Deep breath. I know. Yes, I am too. <laughs> you always have to take a deep breath when you say you're gonna do a, an Iron Man. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't. Um, 
<clears throat> can't wait to do it with you. I think it'll be fun. We'll have uh, we'll have raw. We, you know what? I have, I have one of the best support crew, from uh, you know Tyler and Maddie, Rob to my nephews and nieces. Oh my goodness, you're you'll you'll be flying through those those uh, one forty point six. Well, my wife, my wife, after I did the half uh, in September, made me go get like a cardiac stress test because I, <laughs> I looked so bad after the, at the end of it. But I passed, whatever that means. I passed. So, yeah, I, I you know, me and Rebecca have been talking about it, and she, uh, she's amazing. She's, you know, she's supportive, and and um, and we're looking forward to it as a family. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's exciting. So, Dr. Russell, personally, um. How do you think getting back into running and, and now getting into triathlon, um, how do you think that's changed your life? Or in what way, I guess? I think, you know, I think it, it feels a lot like, you know, when I when I got into Drew after kind of all those experiences at, at Penn State and Community College and, and all of a sudden you have kind of sport back in your life, you know, it, it, it just, for whatever reason, it, it helps me. Um, to be more even keeled and to, you know, keep focused on where, what I should be doing. I mean, and I don't even have a great explanation for that. I mean, throughout residency, I would run a little bit or exercise, but mostly I was not, you know, I was out of shape. I drank way too much coffee. We'd be, you know, up for two or three days in a row. And, you know, it's, it was just really, really bad for me physically. And then in getting back into, you know, running, it just gives you time without the pager going off without, you know, you're not in the OR with, you know, your team, you know, trying to, you know, save people. You're, you actually get a second to kind of reflect and prioritize things uh, more clearly. It's, it's been invaluable. I, you know, the tough part and the part that pulls me back a little bit is that I have young kids, you know, and my wife, and this is time where I'm away from them, you know, but you know you you, you, you find time right if you got to get up at 4 30 right yeah. when they're sleeping and you go out and you run if you got to do it on weekends when you know they're their play dates or something you find time where you feel like you're not taking something away from them but ultimately you know I, I, there is time when you know i'm out running or or or, or exercising and i could could be at home and so that's what I mean when I said, you know, Rebecca's, I've talked to her about it. She's on board as far as the Ironman thing goes, because that training is significant. And, you know, she was not supportive of it. And, I mean, she loves you guys and, and your family and she loves the marathon event and, and she's as involved, you know, as anyone, um, as far as the planning and, and getting it organized and, and making it happen. And, you know, so with her support, um, and with the event, the way it's developed and, and, you know, not only just with that, I mean, in my practice and in for my, you know, sort of physical and mental health, it's been just critical. Yeah. I have to agree that, uh, you know, once you get that blessing, I guess you can call it from your support system and in my case, Rob and Rebecca and yours, I mean, it just makes it, um, the training and, um, the time that you're putting into it that much it's it's almost a, a relief because you know i i remember when i made the decision to do my first iron man rob and i had to you know i had to sit him down and we had a huge discussion you know about the time that i would be away from the family especially on the weekends but 
at the end of the day, you know, if, if, you, if this is what you really want and you want to be able to still be there with your family, you just, you prioritize, you make the time for yourself and you make it work. And, um, I'm just really happy that, you know, Rebecca did give the, uh, the thumbs up and everything is clear. Um, but I, I knew she would because, you know, gosh, you know, I, I mentioned before, you know, she's, she's awesome. <laughs> she's, she's so, you know, she's, I, I really, and she's just as humble as, as you, you know, never wanting to be in the limelight, um, but always willing to, to make sure that everyone is okay and everybody has what they need and, and are taken care of. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad she's, she's your support system. Cause, um, you know, you're, you're definitely going to need it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm excited. Yeah. So, uh, Dr. Russell, I always, uh, we always end our podcast with some rapid fire questions. So hopefully you're up for it. Hit me. Let's see. So first question is, uh, when you're running, would you say you're running away from something or towards something? Away. Do you want to elaborate or no? <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> Do I want to elaborate? Uh, Oh man, there's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I mean, you know, when when you when you have a non-traditional sort of uh, you know route through this whole uh, whole experience, there's been a lot of things that yeah. um, you know. I, I think all the way back to you know a lot of the relationships I had when when um, my life wasn't going so well, mm-hmm. and a lot of the people that helped me kind of get through it and you know that I don't have those relationships anymore and those are things that I wish I you know sort of kept and some of them I haven't because I'm just kind of not not strong enough I don't think to go back and and relive that part um you know and then you know more recently you know just having just having the burden at this point of my decisions you know causing people to have bad outcomes and to, to, to die, you know, you're responsible for that. And that, um, you know, I've had a lot of problems with that, I think, you know, in, in, in wrestling with that, you know, you have to, you have to manage it somehow. Right. And I think running is, is a big part of that for me. And, you know, if you, if it has to be binary, am I running away or towards, I guess I would pick, I already did pick away. Um, there are certainly things and goals that I'm running towards, but you know, I guess my answer at this point would be would be away. Yeah. Thanks for elaborating. That that definitely is a heavy weight. Um, when is your favorite time to run? Let's see. Gosh, any any time I'm not at work, <laughs> you know, I'm sort of an oppor- opportunist about it. Yeah. Um, you know, when I talk about early morning, most of the time those have been swims when I can get over to the pool. Uh, I'm, I tend not to be an early morning runner. And so opportunistically, if I get out of work early, I'll go home and, you know, put in like 10 miles or something. I, was gonna, uh, I have flirt. Oh, I was going to be really smart. I was going to be smart and say he likes to get in his run after he gets off of his bike. Because <laughs> he's, right. you know, Dr. Rustin's getting ready to do, you know, the Ironman. And so he has, I told him he has to make sure he does a lot of brick workout. So. <laughs> I have been. I do. I do try to get off the bike and run. That that is true. I, you know, I flirted with the idea of trying to, you know, that during this training for for the Ironman, I, I'm going to probably have to start doing early morning runs. Um, 
but I haven't started yet. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, when life gets uh, overwhelming, what do you do to kind of clear your head or reset? I go to my wife. Yeah, I share. I share with my wife. You know, she's uh, she's a lot in many ways smarter, stronger, better person in many ways than I am. And uh, and um, without her, yeah, the, the, this this whole thing wouldn't wouldn't look the same. What advice would you give someone who's dealing with a, a setback and trying to kind of get back on track? Man, uh, you know these these stories, these you know the way that you guys have have um, you know created a community. I think is is the groundwork for that, right? I don't know that there's a, a you know sort of a punchline or some you know line of advice that you can give somebody, but you can lay out all these examples of people who have been through through really really difficult times. I mean, your family. Right. I mean, you, Kathy, you, you know, was central to your family and your kids and your life was, you know, laying in a hospital bed, intubated. And you guys managed to rally around and, and get her back and, and your family back. And, you know, when people see that it's possible, when they see examples of it, I think that's much more valuable than anything I can you know say to them. You know, and, and what I try to do is is and I'm not always successful is is not to take away people's hope in really bad situations where you you need to give people you know some sort of a realistic expectation you have to do that but you want to do it in a way that doesn't take away their hope and so people who are in bad situations whether it's you know medical or otherwise you know I think it's not fair to not recognize that that's bad right but you also don't want to you know make them feel hopeless where would you say is your quote-unquote happy place? Wherever my wife is. <laughs> Very smart. I don't know where she is right now. I should call her. I could go there maybe instead. That's a good answer. Um, last one. Uh, what advice would you give someone just finishing high school or college trying to figure out what they want to do with their life? Because it's, it's kind of that time right now. Yeah, right. It's become a complicated—I mean, it's always been a complicated question. I mean, I was never that person who had, you know, at that point, like a singular drive. And I look at those people and I sort of, you know, am envious, right, that they had that. And, you know, I always sort of felt like I was more kind of stumbling through. But eventually, you know, I, I found something that strangely I just happened to be good at. Like, how would you imagine at that point that you'd be good at, you know, sewing people's arteries together in their brain or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just a strange way and that it worked out for me. And I, I would say, you know, just being willing to, like, reinvent yourself. You know, if you go down a path and you, you don't like it there, what I, what, what I don't necessarily blame you for picking that path, but you can't just keep running into that wall over and over again. You know, you have to be willing to reinvent yourself and to say, you know what, I made a bad decision for me. This was not the right place to be. I'm going somewhere else. And people don't like to admit that sometimes. So I think that's really valuable, especially nowadays, you know, just having the ability to, to kind of, you know, walk away from what you were doing before and try something else. Thank you for that. And uh, 
thank you for being being so candid. Um, I definitely learned a lot more about you. I think Kathy has too. So um, really appreciate you sharing the stories and being so so open. Well, I hope I hope I still get to be your doctor. I know it's uh, <laughs> unnerving sometimes when you <laughs> open the closet and there's always skeletons in everybody's. So. Well, clearly, the outcome was very positive. So even though you may have uh, flunked, I guess. <laughs> I, I well, still, yes, I flunked. You know, I, I, I That's still... the correct term, flunked out of college. That's right. <laughs> I'd have you back in a heartbeat. No. Yeah. No, that I... actually makes me feel better. You yeah. know, I think that just makes you stronger right? having mm-hmm. to having been through that yeah. you know and knowing also that it you know it wasn't none of it was ha- just handed to you yeah but okay. any uh do you have any kind of last uh last words for our listeners gosh about my story i don't know you know my mom sort of summed up the whole story really well at a uh, at my um, residence, my graduation from residency. So they flew out to LA and we have this graduation party and, you know, it's a fancy restaurant and, you know, everybody's mingling. And, uh, Mark Krieger, one of our, uh, he was, he was the former chair of pediatric neurosurgery at CHLA. Now he's the chair of all surgery over at CHLA. Came up to my mother and said, Oh, Mrs. Russell, you must be, you must be very proud of John. He's graduated and, you know, he's been through a lot. So, you know, then you guys must be very proud. My mom said, Yes, we're, we're very proud. John overcame every obstacle he put in front of himself. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, you know, that's, uh, I guess if we wanted to sum it up, there you go. Words of wisdom from Carol Russell. Well, actually, I, I have one question for you, just so, because I'm, I'm pretty sure um, some of the listeners want, wouldn't want to know. But um, first of all, as you know, Delaware is like the smallest, what, what do they call Delaware? The smallest state or, you know, where everybody knows everyone? Yeah. It's, it's like the small The wonder small wonder. The yeah. small wonder. And uh, I swear, everybody knows everyone here. You, you step out of the... You, you may not see someone for like years, but then you see them and then it's like, oh, you know this person too. But anyways, I digress. Um, this is a, a little fun fact. It was so hilarious when I found out that one of my best friends, Steve Blazier, his good friend was your babysitter. <laughs> I wasn't right, Yeah, right. when, when, uh, when, you know, we've, well, you met Steve for the first time back in 2016, right? The um, my, yeah. com- my comeback yeah. race. And uh, I think he posted some pictures of, of us. Um, well, the three of us. So you, Steve, and I. And a couple of his friends in New Jersey said, Hey, I know that kid. I used to babysit him. And then so Steve texts me and he says... Kathy, can you find out where he used to live? <laughs> and so I, you know, we're like doing all these text messages. So it's just so funny that it's such a small world. Oh, it's actually stranger than that. Because that babysitter, okay, mm-hmm. uh, her father is the guy who broke his neck and is the reason why I got into neurosurgery. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Wow, yeah. so, her, her father was, you know, had Guillain Barre. Yeah, think subsequently yeah. So did, so did she. Oh wow. wow. Or one of her, or one of her sisters. Yeah, I mean, they that it's a, 
very very convoluted connection. Yeah. Wow, small world yeah. and definitely shows all our connection. Yeah. And and one last thing. Um so we've known each other for over five years. Um, clearly, we have a, a very special bond. We, you know, we've done some pretty cool things uh, together since um, since our, our first initial meeting. Of course, I was unconscious at the time. But what were you? What would you say? Your um, it doesn't have to be with you know with me or whatever. But what would you say was the uh, most memorable moment uh, during the last five years since oh, finishing finishing that the, finishing the marathon that first year that first just year? crossing with you and Rob yeah you and Rob I mean nobody was there mm-hmm. I mean it was it, it, it this was nothing I mean we raised you know a couple bucks or something but um, I mean it was so much harder than I thought mm-hmm. and me as like you know a, a you know middle aged person to go out and run it like to see you finish and to be able to finish with you and Rob, I mean, it was, it was so impressive that you were there much less that you ran the whole thing and finished. It was, I mean, and that, that really was a special sort of moment for me and very, very memorable. Well, I would, and and I'm so glad you, uh, you have the same, um, fondest memory because, you know, as you know, I, I will probably go back to LA until and run the marathon until I can't uh, I can't run anymore. But um, that has always been probably the best um, and most meaningful finish line that uh, I've ever had. And and it well, it sort of changed this year only because it was my fifth year, um, as you know. And we ran LA Marathon on the the very day that. Um, I had my ruptured brain aneurysm. So that was, I would have to say that was the second most um, meaningful and, and memorable. But I have to, I have to certainly agree with you that uh, crossing that finish line, you know, uh, as my comeback and, and with someone who my whole family thinks is a hero. And yes, everyone, heroes do exist because that his name is Dr. Jonathan Russin. Um, and the other hero is, uh, is Rob, my husband. And to be able to, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here, but, uh, you know, to be able to cross that finish line with, with you and, um, Rob was just probably the highlight. Um, yeah, the highlight of my life so far, um, you know, just getting back my life and, and thanking you and thanking Rob for just being by my side, you know, that whole time. So again, I thank you, thank you so much for, uh, for chatting with us today and and course, telling me that I just wish and, and, I, I, I just <laughs> wish I knew more about running. It shows you how little I knew about running at that time. I'm wearing like a, we have one picture where he crossed the finish line. I'm wearing like a wool cap and lacrosse shorts or something. Like, what was I doing? Who does this? But, well, well, that it it just makes it even more special, though. You know. And 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 to to all the listeners, I'm telling you, Doctor Russin, don't let him fool you. He's he's a, he's actually quite quite the runner. Um, so, uh, but yes, uh, and also just sharing with us that you are human because all this time I thought you were just, you know, totally geeky kid. You know, had everything planned out from the moment um, you set your your uh, your foot or eye. Uh, 
college and just knew exactly where you're going to go. So um, this makes me even feel even more connected that, uh, gosh, you know, heroes exist and they're actually human too. Um, but yes, I, I, like I said, I, I can never thank you guys enough. Uh, you and Dr. Mac for, uh, I always say my, or at least what my mom says, uh, bringing me back from the dead. (laughs) Um, I've never felt so much more alive this last five years. So, yeah. Well, uh, you know, what what I tell so many of the patients and their families is that they, you know, you guys have to do all the hard work. And on top of that, you know, you've decided to give back to other, other people. Um, and so, uh, I'm excited going forward and, um, thank you and your family so much and thank Rob for, for sharing you with us, um, year after year at the, at the marathon event and, uh, your kids, I've watched your kids grow up. Mm-hmm. They look great. Um, the braces are off. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I'm excited to see, you know, where they, where they go and, uh, maybe one year they'll, they'll want to run. So. That'd be great. Yes. <laughs> And to all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We will have Dr. Russin's contact information in our show notes, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast. You can find show notes and other episodes as well as articles from many of our contributors on werunwithyou.org. You can connect with us on social media at We Run With You on Instagram and Facebook. You can reach out to Dr. Russin via email at jonathan.russin at med.usc.edu or on Facebook at NeuroICU to 26.2. Until next time, keep doing good.